Hi, I'm Rob Jepson, and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth in the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders. I don't care how big the company or how big the team. We showcase sales leaders that are taking what the market gives, and then some. We feature leaders and teams that are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and doing it predictably and sustainably. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Exvoyant, the one-on-one sales improvement platform that's transforming how high-growth sales leaders use Salesforce around the world. If you're one of the 97% of sales leaders that have a sales process but don't have a structured one-on-one coaching process, check out Exvoyant today. The Exvoyant team will show you how your one-on-ones with each rep can drive purpose-driven activities in a way that will change careers at your organization almost immediately. If you don't have a plan on how you can help every rep on your team improve by at least 10%, Exvoyant can help you grow faster than you ever thought possible. Please join me at Outreach Unleash. I'll be heading to San Diego with the Outreach team March 10th through 12th in what will be one of the top sales conferences of 2019. Come see me in my session as I'll be sharing a new coaching framework for how one-on-one coaching can help you build a sales dynasty. Hit me up for more info or for tickets, and you'll be glad you attended. Now, get ready for some serious insights from sales leaders that are making it happen. And remember, don't worry, we've got you. Hello, and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. Today, we are in for a treat. We are joined by an iconic sales coach, Keith Rosen. Now, Keith is fanatical about helping leaders accelerate growth and increase sales, and I'm excited to share with you, he has all the credentials. He's a globally recognized authority on sales and leadership. Keith is the CEO of Profit Builders, which we're going to learn a little bit more about today on the show, which was named Best Sales Training and Coaching Company Worldwide. Keith is a really decorated author. He's written several bestsellers on time management, selling, prospecting, and leadership, including the widely acclaimed and widely awarded Coaching Salespeople into Sales Champions. That book, if you don't have it, peeps, get it. It's the winner of five international best book awards and the number one best-selling sales management book on Amazon. Keith is often featured in the media. He's appeared in Entrepreneur, Inc., Fortune, the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, Inc. and Fast Company named Keith one of the five most influential executive coaches in the world, and he was in 2009 uh, named Sales Education Leader of the Year. Keith is one of the very few master certified coaches credentialed throughout the International Coach Federation, and he even appeared on one of my favorite TV shows, the award-winning show, Mad Men. Finally, Keith was inducted in the inaugural group of Top Sales Hall of Fame in recognition for his outstanding contributions to professional selling and sales leadership, along with other legends that I know you know, Zig Ziglar, Earl Nightingale, Bill Brooks, Brian Tracy. I think that you can all see that his credentials speak for themselves. In fact, I feel like a ring announcer on Rocky, the master of disaster, the king of sting, okay? I'm really excited to have you on the show, Keith. Thanks for uh, joining us and welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. A pleasure to be here with you. (laughs) Hey, I've been super excited. Now, for our listeners, I got introduced to Keith because I first heard him speak at a conference years ago. Uh, I was a young sales leader. I was figuring out uh, coaching and leadership, doing some things with a team of about a 1,000 reps. And he was at a conference that uh, I I was introduced to his book. 
and I'm looking at the book right now, Keith, on my desk. I have it here. It is dog-eared. It is highlighted in, in pink and yellow, exclamation points, stars all around it. It was foundational uh, for me and what I did. And when I started this podcast, you were someone that I really wanted to have on. Um, we're going to talk coaching today, man. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about Profit Builders and, and who you are and what you do? Absolutely, Rob. So, you know, the way I look at it is real simple. Um, imagine this. Imagine for a second you, you go to work, okay, without fear. Imagine you go to work every day without stress. Imagine your workplace is a place where you're acknowledged as a valued contributing team member. Imagine that your work is aligned with your goals, your priorities, your values. And if this sounds crazy to people, the fact is, this is a reality in many thriving organizations, and that is exactly what we do here. We help companies transform from the metrics-driven, result-driven, fear-based cultures to truly developing a high-performing culture of top sales champions. And that the only culture that you can create that within is a coaching culture. So one of the things that I love about you, Keith, and it struck me from the first time I ever heard you, you just said it. You don't call them high-performing reps or whatever. You call them sales champions. I love that. I love the distinction. I love the mindset that it creates. Um, so you're telling me that it's not a pipe dream. People can have that be the norm, and it could be the new normal for a company and, and not just a rare event. It could be, uh, and there are, there are a couple of ways to look at it. A lot of, a lot of managers feel that when they are in such a result driven culture, especially large global organizations, and they think about coaching and the culture they truly want, and they really understand coaching. And I know we'll get there in a few minutes. Yeah. They feel, and they tell me, Keith, you know, I want I would love to develop a coaching culture, but you know, we're a massive global company. It's like trying to turn a battleship. And my response to that manager is, Hey, how do you change a culture? How do you transform talent? It's one person at a time. It's one conversation at a time. So when managers feel like there's no way for them to truly develop a culture of coaching, I tell them, develop a subculture. You mm. can develop a culture within a culture within your team because your people are interacting with you every day. You're emailing and texting and having meetings with them every day. In essence, the manager is the culture, which means the good news is, you have the power to create the culture you want. Now, beyond that, well, then avalanches roll downhill. Change starts from the top. <laughs> I love that. Avalanches roll downhill. And our job as sales leaders, that's what we want, man. We want that avalanche effect. We want that deluge effect, right? That's, I think that's what we're all looking for with our teams. I think absolutely. I think the, the, there's major, um, you know, these 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 global conundrums and these myths out there that especially one, companies collapse a great culture with great results. So I know you and I were talking before is a lot of a lot of managers think they're doing great, but you ask them why they're doing great and they'll say, well, we're hitting our numbers. And of course, my quintessential question after that is, well, is every salesperson on your team hitting their number consistently? Oh, no, 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 no. But you know, we, you yeah. know how it is, Keith, the 80-20 rule. I'm like, the 80-20 rule? Yeah. Forget the 80-20 rule. Okay, that's an excuse. Okay, so imagine now, this is not about great culture equals great results. Okay, they are mutually exclusive. And of course, results are critical to business success. But it's when the work complements your life and you're self-motivated to attain your business objectives, that's the culture. That's a winning culture that companies need to aspire to create for their people. 
I love it. So, so you and what your work is at Profit Builders, you guys help companies around the world and you, you've got some great companies, uh, that you work with that you help them build that culture. And it sounds like it starts with building a subculture and then the avalanche effect transforms companies. Am I hearing that right? Yeah, spot on. And, and having the, the, the pleasure, uh, and the privilege of, of traveling over 75 countries and soon to be six continents. Uh, the one thing I can say with great certainty is it doesn't matter what company you work for. It doesn't matter company culture. It doesn't matter the geographic culture you live in. Coaching is truly a universal language. Okay. Well, that sets us up. Let's get into this. So for, for your benefit and for those that might be new to the podcast, Keith, we uh, have gone back and we've analyzed uh, all of our other uh, podcast episodes and, and we shared in a different episode, the great leaders that we've interviewed, they focus on five things, culture, which you've talked about, vision for where they're going, systems to help everyone get there, coaching to make sure it's tailored and individualized, and finally, executive engagement. But what I love is everyone's talking about coaching, and you know, you referred to it already. There's a coaching gap out there. 83% of sales leaders think that not only do I do it, but I'm awesome at it. Only 13% of reps think that what they get is valuable. So this massive gap exists and I have been like really focused on trying to figure out everything I can read, get my hands on. Why is the coaching gap so massive? Why do reps say my leader doesn't get it? Why do leaders say I got this? Don't invest in coaching, invest in more leads. Can we, I want to talk about that today. Is that cool? Let's go for it. So in your book, chapter 12 is about the five, the 15 coaching killers. You got a lot of really great insights. And for, again, our listeners, get your hands on the book because these coaching killers are, are, are killer, uh, pardon the pun, right? <laughs> and and uh, I was thinking that for today, we should talk about what you think some of the most common coaching killers are and what we do about it. Yeah. Can, we, can we take that approach? Let's do it. And, and by the way, I could answer your last question in one word. What sabotages the coach's ability to deliver value? What sabotages the uh, salesperson's ability to close more deals? What creates interpersonal conflict, departmental silos, communication breakdowns, pipeline and forecast and accuracy? One word, assumptions. Mm. Assumptions. You want to you want to talk about you want to talk about that before we get into your killers? Let's let's get yeah, absolutely. Into so yeah. real quick, you, you take take a manager that's been on the job for 10, 10, 5 plus years, three plus years, and this manager walked in the shoes of their direct reports. And here we are in a, in a typical result driven culture. You know, we have a target on our back, we have numbers we have to hit every month, every quarter, every year. And uh, one of their reps comes to them and says, "Hey, boss, I need your help." And the manager's, you know, thinking whether it's on the phone or face to face. Oh man, I, I have to get back to the 50 other things that I need to do. Um, okay. What's going on, Mr. and Mrs. Rep? Hey, well, boss, here's the situation. I'm trying to turn this customer around so I can move this deal over the finish line. Um, what should I do? And the manager's sitting there thinking, okay, I've been there before. I know what's best practice. Here's what you should do. So not only is the manager not assessing, they're going from here's what's going on to here's what you need to do. That's the typical MO how <laughs> managers engage. What they're missing is here's what here's what's going on. Why is this going on? What's the yeah. root cause? Seek to understand people's point of view. Then you can create together a better possibility, solution, or strategy moving forward. But here's the thing. A lot of managers, because they assume 
their role is to be the chief problem solver, they will go ahead and just dole out answers all day long. <laughs> and, and that's all assumptions. So either you're assessing every scenario to gather the real facts, or you're assuming one. And that's when managers wonder why they're having redundant conversations. Well, gee, you know, Keith, I had this conversation with my rep last week and the week before and the week before that. Why don't they get it? Well, it's not them. The manager is not getting to root cause. Yeah, I, I think you're dead on. I think that we don't give them a really good framework on how to diagnose. And so I love that you just you wrapped it up in one word, assumptions. I, I, I think that's brilliant, Keith. Like, that's brilliant. Yeah. And, so, and, yeah. and even to your point, you know, companies cannot develop a culture. You know, a coaching culture, in essence, is a people culture. And when you're talking about, and even managers come to me and I say, listen, it doesn't matter if I've been coaching for 30 years. It doesn't matter if I've been coaching for one year. The point is I can actually coach someone better than their manager. And the reason why, and I'll say to my, any client, I say, listen, I am not an expert in your business. I'm an expert in maximizing human potential. I'm an expert in coaching. So interestingly, when I, when managers hear that, I say, Hey, if I don't know your role, if I don't know the specific challenges that you're coming to me with under the objective you're looking to achieve, all I have is the question. Mm. So one can argue that mm. if, and this is, and I, I do this purposely in organizations. I have people in different departments coaching each other. And the first reaction is, Keith, I don't know anything about this person's job. Exactly. Go find yeah. out. So it's an, it's amazing the debriefs that I hear and managers say, Keith, that was so awesome. Not only did I realize I had no clue about this person, no idea how they're evaluated, no idea about their KPIs or scorecard. And, you know, granted, there's some friction between our departments, but we all have to play nicely. Problem is, every time I go to the other department for help, whether it's marketing or engineering, you know, I'm going with my agenda. And what I just realized from doing this real play peer-to-peer -peer coaching is, you know, not only can I coach someone who I don't know, or I don't know their job, or I don't know their role. It avoids making the assumptions because I haven't walked in their shoes. It also breaks down it breaks down silos. It breaks down those departmental silos. When, and now, not only are you coaching, don't coach in your little vacuum. Don't just be coaching your salespeople. You have to coach peer to peer, and peer to peer doesn't mean just in the sales part of the organization. Peer to peer means sales managers are coaching people in operations. Direct reports are coaching their managers. Direct reports are coaching each other. That's how you develop a culture of coaching. I like it. That is that is awesome. That uh, that's an unexpected nugget, man. That we could we could just do the whole episode on just that. How to break down assumptions, how to leave them behind, and how to lead with questions. Uh, I love that. So let's get into your tactics, though. So that, that might even be one of them. That might be one of the. Is that in fact one of the coaching the the coaching killers? Is is too many assumptions? Actually, thanks for connecting that. So uh, if you look at um, these assumptions, uh, the typical conversation, and I know managers, here's, here's me being clairvoyant, okay? My man, uh, yeah, I love it. <laughs> there, there are managers right now that I'm going to say what I'm about to say, and they're going to think, does he have a camera in my office? How the heck does he know that I'm doing that? Yeah. Because it's this global epidemic when managers think they're coaching, but they're not. So what happens is building up your point. If I think that I know all the answers as the manager and people right. come to me and I'm wearing my tag, hello, I'm the chief problem solver. Oh, and don't worry, I'm not going to develop you and I'm going to make you really lazy in your thinking because I'm going to do all the thinking and problem solving for you. 
What they wind up doing is they wind up having conversations that sound like this. Okay, you know what? I understand your situation. Actually, when I was in your role, I had the same experience. Here's what you should do. Or, hey, you know what? If you need to really deliver a stronger value prop to that customer, you really should make a call and deliver a stronger, compelling reason as to why that customer should buy from us. And if you notice the one common thing, the word here is, hey, you know, you should qualify more. You should spend more time with your customers. Should, should, should. Exactly. So what managers wind up doing is they wind up shooting. And in case my accent is not coming uh, clear, it's <laughs> S-H-O-U-L-D-I-N-G. Uh, they should all over their direct reports. And then they should on themselves. And then they should on their customers and their peers. So, I not. <laughs> so I tell managers, listen, stop shooting on yourself and stop shooting on your people because a should is really just the excrement of driving your own agenda. Yeah, I'll never look at that word ever the same again, Keith. And you and I know that another phrase of that is just coaching <laughs> in your own image. That's managers just building little robots and building mini-me's rather than tapping into the individuality of their people. All right. So let's talk about that. Now I think you've tapped into this. I love how you called it coaching in your own image, building many me's, whatever it is. Uh, I love how you, you, you've titled it because it's going to be really memorable for our, our, our people that are listening. What we want is what you just said. Individuals, individual people have individual needs. They need individual game plans and they, you know, and we probably shouldn't should on them with spreadsheet averages for the team and stuff like that. Can, can we dive into that a little bit more? Sure. Uh, which part would you like to dive in first, Rob? That, that, your thoughts around individualization and, sure. and maybe why we struggle with it and how we overcome it. Absolutely. Uh, very simple. All roads go back to assumptions. Uh, managers assume when they hire someone, they're driven, they're, you know, they're confident, uh, they're, they're organized. Oh, they have experience, so they must know how to sell. Well, these are, these are all costly assumptions. So when managers are coaching their people, what do they wind up doing again? <laughs> they wind up assuming assume, the facts. Assume, assume, yeah. And, ass- and rather than assess. Same thing goes back to tapping into people's individuality. So people are hired and what does the manager do? Oh, don't you want to make more money? And they run around their team saying, oh, I'm going to motivate my team. Hey guys, don't you want to make more money? Don't you want to make more money? Hey, you know about your goal. If you hit your goal, you're going to make more money. Managers think they're motivating their people and holding them accountable. What they don't realize, they're just being bloody annoying. Yeah. Because they're not tapping into, tapping into people's individuality. And, 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 it's, and it really, managers are so good at over-engineering everything. And I, I will say this quintessential fact. As a manager, if you are sitting there banging your head against the wall, trying to figure out how to hold people accountable, how to coach them effectively, how to motivate them, how to uncover their individuality, you're asking the wrong person. Ask them. Love and. It managers, maybe, maybe they have a few questions they ask during the interview and then never ask them again. My philosophy, hire them, ask them during the interview process. During, once they're hired at that year, do it again. Twice a year, a manager needs to sit down with each direct, go through a series of questions that I've created in my book to really make sure that the manager is aligned with not only that person's business objectives, but what they want most in life. 
And let's face it, if managers only do that once, they're doing themselves and everyone else a disservice because life changes, right? People get married, people have kids, people buy a house, people get divorced, uh, elderly parents unfortunately need to be taken care of, people pass away. Each one of these are life altering things. And if the manager and the leader doesn't have the pulse on each individual, then how can they really coach them to their success as an individual in terms of what they want out of their career and what they want out of their life? Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, Keith. And I think that you picked the right one to start with for coaching killers. I, I find that that lack of individuality, when you don't individualize what you're doing, that's the fastest way to lose a rep in a conversation. If they, in the first 60 seconds, say, you know, Rob doesn't get me and he never has, uh, it, it makes people feel like that whole thing's a waste of time. Oh, yeah. And even building off your last statistic, uh, which is perfect alignment here, uh, I recently saw one that says one out of every 10 managers are actually skilled enough to manage, forget about coach, one out of 10. And then we wonder why there is a 72% level of disengagement in the workforce. Yeah, it's crazy. Do you think there's any coincidence there, Rob? No, it's 100%, dude. You're, you're talking dirty to me right now, right now. I'm telling you, this is, you're speaking my language, and I'm glad you're on the show because we are talking about epidemic-level stuff. And I don't know, I'll be interested what you think about this. My personal belief structure and, and what I help when I speak with, with leaders, I believe that a manager's, one of their primary uh, things they need to be focused on is help every rep, every member of that team do their best, do their best work so they can therefore live their best life. And because I don't think it's about work-life balance. It's, it's, what, it's that whole work-life integration. It's, they're inseparably connected now. And if you're not doing your best work, it's almost impossible to live your best life. So that's why individualization is so important. Amen. All right. So that's the first one. Check. We got that. I love how we started. We started strong assumptions and how that leads into lack of individualization. What's another, you know, really common coaching killer that you, you address in your book. <laughs> you know, and I guess, you know, all roads keep going back to assumptions, but uh, you know, the one question uh, man managers always uh, ask themselves is, you know, am I being a good coach? Or if they're not self-aware at all, they actually think they're being a good coach. And if you ask that manager, you know, help me understand, why do you feel you're a good coach? Um, well, you know, uh, we're getting results. Mm, again, just because you're getting results doesn't mean you're a great coach. Uh, if you're if you're a great coach, here's what else you're experiencing: um, you're consistently hitting your sales numbers without the stress and overwhelm. Uh, you are living from a place of intention and being responsive, not living from a place of reaction. You're not turning over your top people. People enjoy coming to work. You have a deep level of trust and transparency with your team. There are no more departmental silos because everyone finally figured out, oh yeah, that's right. We all share the same vision and have the same goal. So those, oh, and of course, how can I even forget? Managers, if you're coaching more, you're working less. Now, before your boss yells at me, I'm not saying it's that you're not coming to work. I'm saying you're going to have less problems coming at you so that you can live from a place of intention and actually do what you were hired to do, which is not do everyone else's job, but honor the primary role of every leader, which is to make your people more valuable every single day. When that happens, the byproduct is success. 
All right. So I love that one because I buy that. I, you just hit my, in all the common coaching problems, I, I have, I call some of this the deadly sins of one-on-one coaching. I, I refer to it as being a crutch, not a coach. Mm-hmm. And, and it's the one that I fall victim to the most. So you just diagnosed me, Keith. I, <laughs> I uh, so I want you to, to help me and help our, our listeners. When we fall victim of this one where we're doing their job or we're doing too much and we're, you know, we're, we're not developing people and we're just going out and basically trying to win for them. Uh, how do you overcome that? How do you improve that? You know, I, and I, I, and I don't want to sound trite and I'm not being coy when I say this, but the majority of managers in this planet have no idea what coaching is. And when you ask them, were you ever trained as a coach? Oh no, I read an article about it. Oh, my boss gave me, you know, he emailed me a, 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 a PowerPoint or uh no, I read this case study on it. Oh, by the way, okay. I've read about it, but, but I do it every week. I talk about it. <laughs> Right. I'm coaching. Oh, by the way, tomorrow I'm going to be a brain surgeon. Yes. <laughs> oh God. I so, love it. That's I mean, awesome. so let's, I mean, let's wrap our, our head around this absolute insanity. The organizations expect managers to develop their people, but the organization is not investing in leadership coach development. Mm. Is it me or is, am I missing something here? Because if, unless you were trained, and coached to have a fundamental foundation of coaching methodology and a universal coaching framework, which I have in my book, you're not coaching. And I always get a kick out of it when managers tell me, hey, Keith, let me tell you how my boss coaches me. Uh, I approach my manager and with a challenge, maybe it's with one of my directs, and you know, my manager might sit there for about 30 seconds and listen before their patience runs out. And... Uh, they say, okay, 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 I'm going to coach you on this. I'm putting my coaching hat on right now. Here we go. This is what you should do. And the manager that's coaching this poor direct report actually is going to leave thinking they gave great coaching. It happens and then, all the time, dude. It happens all the time. And then that, and then back to your point, then we wonder why there's disengagement. Then we wonder why that um, direct report just saying, I'm not getting value from the coaching. And guess what? If the manager thinks they're delivering value and the reps feel they're not, I believe there's another issue of transparency and trust floating around. So is this number three? Which is number three? Trust and trust. Well, yeah, real simple. If you, have, if you don't have trust in a coaching relationship, you can't coach, period. Now, here, here's the thing. Boom. When I work with managers and they're going through my two-day uh, sales leadership coach development program, it's amazing how, you know, these managers are wicked smart, you know, and, and, and almost to a fault because they're so smart that they believe that their role is truly to be the subject matter expert and solve all their people's problems. And to your point before, I think there's another aspect of why managers don't coach is because they, it's the imposter syndrome. They don't want to be found out. What if I don't do it right? What if I don't get it right? You know what I do know? I know how to do my people's jobs. So I'm just going to keep doing that and keep pushing for results. Mm. Well, if, do you play soccer? Do you play baseball? Do you play golf? You know, look at the greatest athletes in the world. Every great athlete learned the sport the same way every other athlete does. There are fundamental baselines and core competencies that every athlete needs to master. And once they do, and once they continue to grow in their professional career, they develop their own style as a player. But they had that foundation. 
Most organizations have no foundation of a coaching methodology or like 30,000 of them floating around. I just spoke to another organization. I asked them, do you have a, a, a coaching um, framework that you use in an organization? The majority of times is I hear no or, you know what, I think there is, but I think there's like five of them floating around, but I don't know if any of them stuck. I hear the same thing, Keith. Like over 90% of them have at least what they think is a sales uh, process. But then when you say, do you have a coaching process to support what you actually want them to do? The answer is no. Jim Dickey's measured. He thinks it's less than 3% of organizations have a coaching framework. I think that's pretty accurate. So um, uh, you're, this is this is awesome. So so this this trust and this uh, this relationship of trust that you talk about and transparency, you know, I, this is a really hot issue right now. I hear about authenticity all the time. In fact, one of my very favorite sales leaders was in, in my office last week, and he told me that he decided to leave the company he was with because the company was putting him in a situation where he did not feel like he could be authentic and he could not uh, maintain the trust of his team because he was being asked to misrepresent some things to his, his salespeople. How, how big of an issue is this? this importance of having authenticity and trust and transparency? Is it, is, is it something that you see people struggle with? I mean, can you give us some tips on how to do, maintain, build, all that kind of stuff? Yeah. So it, it, it really, if, if a manager is the chief problem solver yesterday, and then they go through this coach training program, and they've had their epiphany, they realize, oh my gosh, A, I am not coaching or be what I thought I was doing was definitely not coaching. It was something else. And they had this epiphany and they realize, Oh my gosh, I have to stop leading with answers all the time. And I need to lead with questions. I need to be insatiably curious because if I am the byproduct of that is I'm going to ask more questions. So there, there's that holistic, um, transformation that managers have to go through, not only from the skill set but also the mindset. And back to your point, the biggest issue is trust. If you don't have trust, you can't coach. It's sort of like a, a relationship you have with one of your customers. And actually, literally just got off the phone with a, a client this morning, and uh, I was coaching her around putting her presentation together. She's a senior VP for uh, one of the largest uh, insurance companies. And she, they actually invited several of their clients in for the conference to speak while she's speaking to demonstrate, not just for her to share a testimonial, but there's no better testimonial than coming from a client's mouth and hearing Amen. their yeah. voice, right? Yeah. So, so check this out. She, she was telling me the story how there's this woman who's going to be there next week, and she's going to speak about how, you know, the company was always there for me, and check this out. And, of course, it's, it's, it's devastatingly sad, but she said when my, when my husband died, um, the last few things he said is, you've got to go call John. And John is their financial planner. Hmm. Now, if that doesn't hmm. demonstrate a level of trust and a level of this, this financial planner was that important on this person, person's deathbed to, to share with his wife, yeah. that depth of trust and transparency of being part of a family, yeah. you don't hear about that a lot. Wow, that's crazy, yeah. So how do managers build trust? One word, enrollment. Enrollment. If you're the chief problem solver yesterday and now you're going to be leading with questions, as I said earlier, you better prepare your people for change. And any time you have to make a request to ask someone to do something, 
or try something or improve something or, hey, can I, can I observe you in the field or on the phone or, or do some desk side observation? Or, Keith, I have these, these, these really tough conversations I have to have. I don't know what to do with the underperformer. It's the reason why is they don't have the language. You know, we talk about how important it is to be a strategic thinker in business, but we don't talk about how important it is to be a strategic communicator. And that's how you build trust. So enrollment is a five-step strategy of how you build trust, set positive intention, and make sure the other person knows exactly what's in it for them. All right, Keith. So I'm going to, I'm jumping around a little bit because I know that when we've talked, I, I told you one of the things we always do when we wrap up the show is we ask what's the biggest challenge that, that you see leaders face. You mentioned that you think enrollment's one of the biggest challenges. Can you speak to that a little bit? Why you've already said it's a big deal. Why do you believe it's one of the biggest challenges that sales leader faces and, and maybe give a couple of tips on how you make enrollment something that people are excited about rather than something that they're maybe probably sometimes skeptical of. And I think that's, see here, <laughs> so uh, I'll, I'll share with you a quick story, which resonates with um, a lot of, uh, a lot of managers. Uh, so, so again, the quintessential chief problem solver manager thinks that's their value. The fact is they're just making people lazy in their thinking. Uh, and of course, every time the manager solves one of their direct reports problems, now they own the problem. So if the solution they offer their direct report doesn't work, guess whose fault it is? It's the manager's. And they've successfully done two things and created the very two things I want to avoid. They just created the culture of dependency and no accountability. So how do you then change this? When you change the conversation, you change the outcome. And manage, I'm laughing because managers tell this to me. They say, Keith, you know, I was always that chief problem solver. And then I went through your course and, you know, I, I had an opportunity right after the course to um, do some coaching. So this person came to me and they didn't know that I went through this coach training program and uh, they, they asked for my help. And, and I was really excited to use the new coaching framework, the leads framework that you share. So the, my direct report shared with me this challenge and I'm listening intently. And uh, the direct report, of course, ended with, so boss, what should I do? And the manager says, well, you know, I really appreciate you wanting my opinion. I'm happy to give it to you, but I'm really curious to hear more about what you feel needs to be done around this. And I trust you and I trust your judgment. So what's your opinion on how to handle this? Well, the direct report's going to look around and say, what? Why are you asking me that question? Just tell me what to do. And then the manager is going to say, oh, no, no, no. I don't want to tell you what to do. Um, help me understand what you think is, is the best solution. Or help me understand, can you share the facts with me? What have you tried so far? How did you qualify that customer? What assumptions might you be making around that customer in the situation? At that point, you're going to freak out your direct report because they have no idea who you are. They think that you are now their evil clone. Says, what did you do with my last boss who I would go to? And they would just tell me the answer. And the point is simple. When people don't know intentions, the default file is fear. Wow. Can you say that one more time? That's an awesome statement. Say that one more time, please. When people don't know your intentions, the default file for human beings is fear. And especially when you're dealing with the manager to direct report. And I'm not saying to play the, the power card, but there's that underlying uh, message of, hey, he's, this is my boss. I need to listen to my boss. Well, there's a difference between listening to your boss and doing your job 
and feeling fully bought into what you're doing and why you're doing it and the value you see that you can deliver and the value you will get from your position and the fulfillment that you're going to get. You know, when, when people now see that, oh, now I know why my boss is coming to me and asking me for this, because they said, if, if we do this business objective, I get this personal goal. So enrollment is really about aligning people's personal goals with the company objectives. And when you do that, you now have a unified vision, a shared aligned front, all focused towards a shared goal. But managers don't enroll. And then they wonder why they get resistance from the other side. Mm. Because they don't know your intention. And unfortunately, people will assume negative intent over positive intent. Give you one quick example. Yeah, hit me with it. I'm your manager. I send you an email. In the, in the subject line of the email, it says, call me ASAP with five exclamation points after it. I'm What's terrified. Your <laughs> I'm terrified, man. <laughs> I'm terrified. <laughs> terrified. Uh-oh, yeah. what did I do wrong? Am I getting fired? Am I getting yeah. put on a pip? Yeah. And then, of course, I call you and I just say, hey, Rob, man, you did such an awesome job last month. I just want to take a few minutes to acknowledge you and, and really talk about what you did differently that we can capitalize so you can continue the level of success throughout your career. And no, I love that call. That's my greatest call of the day of the week. Yeah, like, what? Yeah. Well, I didn't expect that. Call me whenever you want, brother. Yeah. People default to fear. And then they're like, wow. You know, no one ever reads that email and says, oh, my boss wants to call me and tell me how awesome I am. <laughs> yeah, you're right. No, you're, you're dead on, which is why culture becomes so important. So as I'm stringing all these together, you know, you've got this culture, uh, you've had transparency and trust. If you've built that trust over time, they'll start to know that when you do reach out, they don't have to worry what your intentions are because they know that your intentions are to help them win. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the only way you could do that is by, by having that enrollment conversation to set positive intent. So people know what you're doing, why you're doing it and what's in it for them. All right. So that's perfect that we got, we got some good ones. I've, I've taken furious notes. Uh, you, you did not disappoint Keith. I, I want to finish with a question and I can't believe how fast the time when I, I, I hope you'll come back on again in a few months and we'll, we'll take another angle on some other parts of your books. Um, how do you, this is not something that we've talked about, so I hope it's okay. We go off script a little bit here. Sure. Um, you've just given me great blueprint pieces of a blueprint for having a coaching culture, a coaching system, a coaching environment inside a company. And, but it all comes down to, I love how you talk about enrollment. Enrollment starts with the leader. It doesn't start with the rep. And uh, I love how you, you kind of laid that out. How do you pick someone when you are a sales leader and you're picking and you're developing leaders, you're hiring leaders, how do you identify who is going to be more wired to doing coaching right? Um, is there some pointers you can give some of our leaders as they are building out their leadership team? How do you identify who the great coaching candidates are? Mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to answer this in a slightly different way. And if I'm not, yeah. let me know. All right. So, Every organization is looking to continually grow, drive revenue, drive profitability for the most part, right? Yep. Well, no, that's what we sign up for. We sign up to grow companies. That's right. That's what we do, that's right? We so do. so um, the goal of a manager, though, is to build a bench of future leaders. Yes. Okay, now let's, let's process this together here. So you're a salesperson, and I trained you how to sell. Right. And as we talked about before, then one day I'm a manager, proof I'm a manager, no training. I don't know how to coach. I have to figure all this stuff out by myself. 
Now imagine this. Now imagine the evolution of sales training. And you heard it from me first, is the greatest salespeople coach their customers to succeed. I feel the exact same way. I can't wait to hear how you end. This is, you got me fired up right now. All right. So sales training needs to evolve. And it's, it's fascinating. It's inevitable. I hear from managers, Keith, just went through your two-day program or I watched your videos or I read your book. You know, I'm trying to figure out what in your book doesn't apply to salespeople. And my response is nothing. nothing. Everything applies. <laughs> Everything we talked about, enrollment, assumptions, seeking to understand other people's point of view, being present. These are all things that salespeople need to master as well. So now imagine this. Now I'm training my salespeople to be exemplary world-class coaches so they can coach their customers. Well, what do we just create? Now when those salespeople get promoted, they already have the skill set of coaching. That's how you scale. That's how you create a coaching culture. That's how you identify the future leaders of the organization. Keith, that was a brilliant answer. I love, freaking love the way you look at the world. I am so grateful that you just uh, spent a little time with us and our listeners this morning. I, I, I can tell you, speaking for myself, I'm better off for having had this conversation with you and our listeners as they're commuting and working out and listening to you. They're going to be hitting rewind and replay as they listen to some of these things. Any final thoughts as you think about, you know, you're a sales leader, you want to make some of these changes, you want to adapt to become more of a coaching-oriented leader so you can have a coaching-oriented culture. Any kind of final thoughts on the blueprint or the non-negotiables that a leader ought to be making sure happens? Well, here's a crazy thought. How about um, for managers to actually go and sit down with their people one-to-one and say, hey, how do you like to be managed? How do you like to be coached? How can I be the best support structure for you? What's the best way for me to be your accountability partner to ensure you're following through on all the commitments you make? How do you want me to follow up with you if you don't honor your commitments? How would you like me to bring it up in a way you'd be open to hearing about it? You know, what did I just do? It's just asking questions to set the, the, the baseline of how each person goes back to individuality, right? How yeah. each person on your team wants to be coached, trained, and developed. And uh, you asked for one final point, um, and here's another trap uh, for managers. Just remember one thing. You close customers. You coach your team. You don't close your people. Okay. Ooh, that's good, dude. Deep thoughts with Keith Rosen. And if I could just wrap that thought up, uh, there was, and it was actually a little sad. And, and this actually speaks to why it, it managers are starving for this. Um, I was out in Egypt a couple of years ago and there was a manager first 20 minutes of, of, of kicking off, uh, our, our two day, uh, workshop and the manager said, Keith, I don't know if I want to be here. And I said, you know what? I really respect you for sharing that with me. Of course, may I ask why? And the manager said, I don't want to learn how to coach. And I, I, first time I ever heard that one, I said, well, can you help me understand more about that? He said, Keith, I hate being coached. Wow. Can, can you share with me your experience? He said, of course. He said, when my manager coaches me, all they do is they just drive their own agenda, asking me closed-ended questions so they get the responses that they want to hear from me. And quite frankly, it's, it's interrogation and it's manipulation. And I don't want to be that kind of manager. And I'm thinking there, and then companies wonder why they have a toxic culture. This poor manager had the, the worst experience being coached. So why in the world would he want to be coached or learn how to coach? Well, of course, we turned his line of thinking around in two days, but that's what people are experiencing out there. 
And, you know, when these managers are out there and they think they're coaching, they're not. They can't have a conversation with just asking open-ended questions. Every manager right now, I will challenge you right now, go out and have a conversation with your rep and only drive that conversation with open-ended questions. I'll, and I'm not a gambling man. I'll bet you you're going to struggle with doing it, and I bet you your agenda is going to slip in either in a, in a leading question, which is, don't you think it would be a good idea to call the customer, which is a total loaded question. You yeah. might as well tell them what to do, or you're going to close them with closed-ended questions. That's closing. That's not coaching. Well, that is awesome, Keith. Coaching is not closing. Close your customers, coach your people. I, I don't think we could finish with a better thought than that. Uh, Keith, we've 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 taken all the time that we have and and this has been one of our great episodes i want to thank you for joining us my friend no, it's um, deeply, deeply my pleasure we usually ask people for uh, you know because leaders are readers and we ask them for books that have changed their career but i'm going to kind of step in and say do yourselves a favor get keith's two books can you can you share the names of both of your books first so they know what they are and, and let them know how they can get a hold of them Absolutely. Uh, you can always jump on Amazon or Bonzo Noble. And uh, first book is Coaching Salespeople into Sales Champions. And uh, recent book uh, that just came out, Sales Leadership. I look at my uh, first coaching book as a 20-year dump of all the coaching that I've learned and experiences. I look at the last 10 years and actually 10-year anniversary of Coaching Salespeople into Sales Champions, writing sales leadership, is more of how you start your journey. So managers can literally pick up this book from chapter one. Is your, do you have cultural readiness? Is your company even ready for this cultural transformation? And then for the rest of the book, after they assess their culture and, and put the systems in place, to your point earlier, of what they need to truly build a coaching culture, the rest of the book teaches the managers how to coach, the framework, the conversations they need to have, how to enroll. And then from there, at the end of the book, ABCs, ABCs of leadership, always be coaching. I love it. How for our, for our listeners, how do they follow you? How do they get more from you that you've now shared how to get your books, which again, I'm going to tell you, get the books, read them. You'll be glad you did. I, I, I stamp my, you know, endorsement on that. And I, I love your work. How do they get more of you? Yeah. Uh, jump on my website, keithrosen.com or coachquest.com. And I uh, have tons of videos, articles, books, even free coaching. Anyone wants some free coaching? It's uh, something that I'm doing in, uh, uh, just because uh, I'm really excited that uh, Sales Leadership won the 2018 Sales Book of the Year. So uh, just as a way to give back and say thanks, uh, if you want some free coaching from me, go on my website, shoot me, a, shoot me a message, and we can schedule a call. And I'm happy to support anyone listening to this any way I can because that is my un unconditional commitment to our leadership community globally. And that's where you and I connect, Keith. You know, I love your commitment and your, your love of the sales leadership. I believe that there's lots of resources for salespeople, very few for sales leaders. You're one of the great ones. Uh, you know what? His name is Keith Rosen. He's been helping uh, leaders coach salespeople and sales champions for years. And now he's taking it up a notch with sales leadership. Uh, he's an international coaching icon, and we've been fortunate to have you with us, Keith. Keith, thank you so much, and happy selling. Hey, thank you. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast, where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, why did that conversation even matter? And it was a no-brainer for me to get Keith Rosen on our show. 
Every single sales leader that's been on our show has gone to coaching as one of their go-tos. It's one of the five building blocks of a high-growth sales team is, is coaching. And everybody goes to it. Everybody's talking to it. And Keith is one of the undisputed experts in the coaching world. And I love his books, both of them. Uh, I recommend both of them. And so I wanted to get someone on here that could really speak coaching and give us a blueprint of what great coaching would look like. And so I loved it because he started with what's the role. You know, he, he, I, I love that. You know, well, there's all these roles. He really referred to a chief problem solver as one of the roles that, that sales leaders adopt. And they do it because they make all these assumptions that their job is to be a fixer. And I would, I would, I would probably, uh, summarized best by if we get the right role, we have a good shot at being a great coach. So we're not fixers. We're not the chief problem solver. I also love how you said we're not closers, meaning we close our reps on getting them to commit to do something. You know, instead, our, our role should be we are here to maximize human potential. I loved how he said that. You know, here's a great question you should ask yourself. What are you doing to help every single member of your team improve by at least 10%, say? Okay. Are you able to individualize that way? He spent a lot of time with his big three. My advice to you is get his book and look at all of those, all of those uh, traps that we fall into. Um, I really feel like his concept of coaching is not closing is a big deal for each of us. Because he talked about this epidemic, and I agree, it is an epidemic problem across sales teams. Only one in ten, did you guys catch that? One in ten managers are skilled enough to manage, let alone coach. We got all these people that are trying to get into management management roles quicker, and we have uh, we have a lot of people who are leading sales teams that still have never sold. That's happening more and more often as sales is becoming more legitimized. People want to lead these teams without knowing how to do that job. And I loved how he talked about this role and, and how we can overcome this epidemic if we really take the right role. And that's, are we making our people more valuable every single day? So here's a couple of great questions that we should ask ourselves, right? I love how he said, just because you're getting results doesn't mean you're a great coach. There's a lot of reasons that we get great results. You know, ask some of these questions. How much intentional improvement are you helping create? How predictable do these improvements become? How much transparency and trust exists on your team? Uh, are, are you really playing a role in helping people become better and more valuable? And, and Keith, I loved what he called it. He called it absolute insanity that we're asking people to become a coach, but we're not helping them become a coach. You know, think about all the investments and tools that we get to help our reps be successful. We have sales methodology, sales training, all kinds of tools in the sales stack. And then we get the managers and we say, coach them, manage them. And we just kind of hope they'll do it. There are very few tools specifically just for managers. Um, that's one of the reasons that we we are are doing so well at Exvoyant. There's just not very many. And we're one of those tools that is an absolute difference maker in helping a manager coach. Not keep score, not doing those, of those other things, but actually have those kind of conversations that inspire and ignite. And so... If we are going to embark on becoming great coaches, here's what I would advise. Too many people are so outcomes-based, they think that they're going to measure the success or failure of a coaching program on the, on the actual sales results. And we need to look at the scoreboard. But here's what I would advise your year one or period one um, 
benchmark should be on if it was successful. Did you create a culture of coaching? Because a culture of coaching doesn't get created in a quarter. A culture of coaching starts by building a subculture, as Keith said. And in that first year of rolling this out, here's what you want. You want to be able to say three things. Number one, can you guys say to your team, here at XYZ Company, our company, we take coaching seriously. It's one of our competitive strengths. It's one of the reasons you work here. So we get take coaching and development seriously. Okay, That should lead to number two. We are investing in things to help our managers become outstanding, amazing, world-class coaches, tools, training, etc. And three, once you've got one and two in place, every rep on this team should be able to expect that that one-on-one will be a difference-making experience for them. And they can come with those intents that uh, Keith talked about, that if we don't have people enrolling and signing up saying, I can't wait for this coaching, we're going to have a hard time having great experiences. I, I thought that might have been the best, uh, my favorite part of our conversation. He talked about if we get good enrollment, that people believe that we are sincere in our coaching ambitions, that we are only here to maximize your potential. We are only here to help you win. Um, if they don't know your intentions, the default emotion is fear. Trust will trump fear every time, but it has to be earned. So remember Keith's definition of insanity, saying, I just wake up and I say I'm a coach. And by the way, next week I'm going to be a brain surgeon. Take coaching seriously. Call people like Keith and ask for their help. You know, Look at tools like what Exvoyant has to help you get there. I'm sorry to be so focused on coaching, but every single person has, has come to this. Make that one-on-one your most strategic lever that you pull. And if you do it, what you'll find is the one-on-one will solve at least 30 different business challenges for you. It will start with simple ones like production, but you'll be blown away by how many. If you ever want to talk about what those 30 business challenges one-on-ones help with, hit me up. So special thanks to Keith. Read both of his books. Uh, Special thanks to you, the listeners, for continuing to listen to our show and make it such a raving success. Uh, And as always, don't worry. Just execute, because we got you. Thanks for joining us for the Sales Leadership Podcast, your weekly pipeline to the most successful thought leaders and rainmakers in sales. Make sure to check out additional episodes at salesleadershippodcast.com. The Sales Leadership Podcast is produced by Brian Jepson and is sponsored by Exploit, the modern sales leadership platform for Salesforce.com users. You can visit Exvoyant at exvoyant.com.